Before we jump into today's topic, a quick disclaimer. The stories and data we share come from the states that we practice in and the experiences that we personally had, which can differ greatly across our country and certainly the globe. This is not a professional advice show. So let's get comfy and talk about death. I'm Jem. And I'm Red, and we're your deputies of death care. So today's topic, uh, we're going to talk about our credentials uh, for why we're able to be here and talking to you in the first place. And then uh, just a little bit about what got us into this mess we call death care in the first place. <laughs> yeah, so because it's our first episode, we wanted to kind of give you guys an introduction to what this podcast is going to be about. A lot of people have questions about death and dying and anything that goes hand in hand with that. So if you've ever had a relative that's passed away or wondered about death in any capacity, this is the podcast for you. Yeah, absolutely. We want to be able to go into uh, episodes where we answer questions from you guys and uh, just kind of touch on a little bit of everything because there is a lot that goes on in the death care industry that is um, kind of mysterious for those outside of it. So we're here to answer those questions and we also kind of just want it to be a, a way that we can just have a relaxed talk about it. It's nothing too serious. Yeah, death is nothing to be afraid of and we want you guys to be able to feel comfortable, relaxed while we discuss some deathly details. You might hear some things that sound unfamiliar or something that just sounds pretty crazy, but that's what our podcast is going to be about, discussing everything that we talk about in this episode and more. So if you do have a burning question, you can definitely shoot us an email or hit us up on Facebook. Um, we just want to be able to answer all your death questions. Absolutely. So I guess I'll go ahead and uh, get started here with my my whole spiel, my story, my backstory. Mine's pretty simple. Uh, I'm, I kind of you know, did a very straightforward and to the point path to death care. So um, starting off with my credentials, I am a licensed funeral director and embalmer uh, in two separate states in the Midwest United States. Um, I went to college and I graduated with a bachelor's in mortuary science back in 2015. And uh, through the processes of um, licensure, I went through my apprenticeship and then took my national boards and state board examinations, and I was licensed less than a year later, so in, in uh, just before 2016. During my time in college as well, I was actually able to get my uh, CCO, which is Certified Crematory Operator Certification, um, but unfortunately since then it lapsed uh, just because it's not always necessary in funeral service to be like all of those things. Some people have it, some people don't. But a lot of my future plans uh, after this, since I've just been plugging away doing that for so many years, um, I would like to become a certified celebrant. And I'd also like to get as many acronyms as I can uh, after my name on my business <laughs> card. Um, yeah, it's usually a good sign. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But during that time, since 2015, uh, I have worked at three different funeral homes. My first funeral home, I spent my 
apprenticeship there, uh, which is, it was six months for the state that I was practicing in. And so I spent most of that time doing care center work. So embalming, uh, dressing casketing, cosmetizing, that sort of thing. Worked a lot of visitations. That's kind of what they plug you with when you're an apprentice. And then my second funeral home, I dabbled in both, where I was pretty much half and half front and back of house. So I did uh, arrangements, running funerals, and then also transfers, care center work. And then my current funeral home that I'm at, I am doing more front of house things. So I am doing arrangements. I am doing uh, funeral directing, like actual directing of the funerals. And uh, I help with the care center work when I can, but it's not always necessary as they've pretty much, you know, split our need between those two things. So directors kind of do like factory style, like assembly line, like you just do your thing for more efficiency, higher volume. So why exactly did I go into this? Why would I choose, you know, quote unquote, this forsaken profession? Um, Every director, you know, during practicum, during apprenticeships would always say run uh, whenever, you know, we were getting into it. So why exactly did I stick with it? So my story starts off a lot more humble, um, but it becomes a lot more noble towards the end. Um, I am very much accidentally in this profession. When I went to college, I had no intention of being a funeral director. I wanted to be a medical examiner. I loved CSI. I was all about that. I wanted to, you know, be like Grisham uh, (laughs) from CSI. And I was like, okay, I want to find out how people, you know, died. I want to, you know, write the cause of death on the death certificate. And so I went to college for it. So first semester into college, I failed my first class like ever in my entire life I (laughs) (laughs) I failed calculus and to finish the medical examiner's program I would have had to go up to like two or three and I can't even do just basic calculus so I had this like come to Jesus moment of like oh my gosh would I have to completely switch my gears and do something completely different and so I looked at some of the other programs available at my uh, my college. And they were like, okay, well, you know, mortuary science is available here. You know, you'd still be dealing with dead bodies. And I'm like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll do that. Like, we'll, it's, it's close enough for right now. And so, like, as I was going through the classes, and I was just like, I was getting scared in the program because every professor just tells you, you're going to lose your life to this profession. Like, you are going to give up holidays, you're giving up family time, you're working every other weekend, if not every weekend. And and that was just, you know, scaring the crap out of me. But once I actually got into, you know, sitting in front of families and like actually having families that I cared for and saw through to the end, it really started to grow on me. And it really brought meaning to my life. Whereas like, I I got to do the artistic portions of things that I love doing, you know, cosmetics, the technical aspects of embalming, and then just how meaningful it was to sit across from a table of somebody having the worst day in their entire life, and you're the one that actually gets to make it more palatable, gets to create that lasting image for them that's going to mean everything for for the, the rest of their lives. And that's what turned the tables for me, is what made this a profession, made this a career for me. So I can't imagine doing anything else at this point. I I. I feel like I'm good at it and I'm I'm happy to be where I am in this profession. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't know that you stumbled it into that way, you know, while you were going to um, college and experiencing that 
Yeah, I usually try not to tell that story because it's like it's it's not very yeah, right. Because I'll get asked by families all the time, like, "Oh gosh, why do you do this?" And I don't want to be like, "Ah, accident." It was the calculus, <laughs> right? Exactly. So, so what about you? How did you uh, end up in this profession, or well, rather, many professions? So I understand. Right. So, um, kind of like you in my in my younger years, I was very interested in the cold, you know, crime case file shows. Definitely the medical examiner shows. I'm going to bring back a relic here. Do you remember Dr. G Medical Examiner? It aired in like 2004. I had to look it up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was, you know, absolutely one of my favorite shows when I was younger. And, you know, what sort of young kid likes to watch a television show about a doctor, like talking about pathology and like cutting up bodies? But, you know, I didn't... I didn't know that I could do something like that. I grew up in a very southern, conservative, small town, and I really didn't know about funeral directors or any sort of death care professionals at all. Um, no one in my family had ever died growing up. I had a very, very small family. Um, my grandparents are relatively young. And I think, you know, a lot of people do have that mindset. Unless you are dealing with death, you know, directly yourself, you really aren't thinking about funeral directors every day. (laughs) So the first sort of experience I had with, you know, the death care industry was an 11th grade summer reading assignment. So we had a list of books that we had to choose from. And one of the books was Stiff by Mary Roach. I don't know if you've ever read that, Red. I actually have it on my shelf right now. I also have it on my shelf right now. (laughs) But for those of you that have never read it, it's a nonfiction book. And Mary Roach is a great writer. She writes for the masses, you know, she writes in very palatable ways. And she covers a lot of sort of taboo subjects. So in this book in particular, she's talking about death. She's talking about what happens to your body after you die. So, you know, she's talking about body donation programs, um, funeral directors, embalming, alternative burials, you know, alternative disposition practices. So obviously, I fell in love. I just absolutely was so interested in the book. I think I read it like, you know, a couple times over. And I just, you know, I knew that that was something that I could do. Unfortunately, it wasn't really an option for me. It wasn't, you know, being a funeral director wasn't something that everyone was like, yeah, go be a funeral director, you know, like, go uh, be around dead bodies all day for the rest of your life. (laughs) And my mom even was mortified to even talk about the subject, really. So as I got older, you know, I decided to kind of go in a different direction with my life. I actually went to college to get an undergrad in music, which is an entirely different story in and of itself. Um, But at the end of four years, graduated with a degree in music performance on the double bass. And I realized that I didn't really want to be a professional musician. That wasn't the path for me. So what do I do now? So I actually went back to my original love for the death care industry, and I thought about, you know, taking care of the deceased and the families and how it just felt so right to me and how I knew that I was the person that could do this. And that was important to me. Um, So I actually went to my dad, who still lived in the small town that I grew up in. And he did me a huge favor. He he knows the mayor of the small town, and he went to the mayor at the time and asked to hook me up with the only funeral director in town. Um, so yay, dad connections. Kudos to meeting the mayor before the funeral director. That's that's different. <laughs> yeah, well, it, as I said before, a very, very small town atmosphere. 
But yeah, so I met with these funeral directors and they were basically like, yeah, like come aboard. Like, yeah, let's uh, let's, you know, get you trained up to see a dead body. <laughs> so I started working at the funeral home. I was allowed to do visitations. They trained me to do transfers. I was even allowed to uh, sit in on arrangements. And eventually I decided that this was something that I needed to move forward in. So at that time, I was actually really invested in anything and everything that uh, this wonderful woman, Caitlin Doty, was making, creating her content. Um, she actually had these YouTube videos at the time called Ask a Mortician. I think I watched like every single one of them. And she actually founded the Order of the Good Death, which is this organization that focuses on the good death, as it were. So home death, um, kind of a death positive sort of community. And she's just, she's so wonderful. I highly recommend her. Red, have you seen any of her videos? Um, I've seen a few of her videos and I've read a few of her books. I, she comes highly recommended for me as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, this was actually before her books, even. Oh so like when YouTube was everyone's sole <laughs> source of information. <laughs> so anyways, that's where I got all of my information on how to become a funeral director. So I was basically like, Caitlin Doty, we're going to mortuary science school. So I googled the best mortuary science school in America. And of course, the one in New York City popped up. And I decided that's where I was going. So I applied, I got in, I moved to New York City. And this was a 12 months program. So because I already had my bachelor's degree. Um, this was more of like an associate's degree trading school kind of situation. It was mainly focused on funeral director education. So no prereqs, nothing like that. So I did the 12 months there. I passed national boards. I actually decided not to take a state board exam. So I was living in New York City, and I realized that I didn't really want to live there anymore. It was exciting and fun, but I was not going to be there in the near future or much less the far future. <laughs> mm -hmm. So basically I decided to move to a different state. I moved out to the Midwest and when I got out there, I started looking for a job, but I think what I didn't realize, not really having anyone in the industry, any family or anyone that I knew, if you did not go to school in the state you want to practice in, I think it's very, very difficult to be able to find a job once you go to a different state. Um, if you think about it, the funeral directors that are practicing in their states have, you know, probably lived there forever, family funeral home, or, you know, they've kind of lived in the general area. And it's sort of a biased, you know, kind of thing. If you went to the school in your state, you kind of want to work with other people that got the same education as you. So I was having an extremely difficult time finding a job. I think I applied to like every single funeral home within like a 40 mile radius of me took me over a year to find a job, but eventually I got a job at a funeral home near where I lived. And I actually was not hired on as an apprentice uh, right off the bat. I was hired on as visitation staff. At that point, I was like desperate to, to get any sort of, you know, experience in the funeral industry. So after working there for a while, I loved my job. I loved the people that worked there. It was, you know, fulfilling and fun. And just, it, I knew that it kind of helped me realize that this this was right and this was good. But as I progressed in my career, as I progressed in the funeral home, I kind of realized that this uh, certain funeral home wasn't going to work out. We'll talk about it in a different episode. So actually, out of curiosity, I took a step back from the funeral home and I decided to try some other jobs in the funeral industry. 
I actually applied for a position at a body removal company. And for those of you guys who have never heard those three words together, it's an actual thing. It definitely exists. And I used to I used to work there for two years. That's actually pretty impressive that you worked for a livery company. Well, I shouldn't say livery company. Sometimes they're mixed. <laughs> they dabble in both renting limos and uh, picking up deceased. But um, two years, like that is honestly, if I have to say it, my least favorite part of the job is doing transfers. So kudos to you for doing two years of that. <laughs> yeah. And that's so funny because that is absolutely my favorite part of the job. <laughs> and it, it always has been and it always will be, I think. Yeah. So I worked at that job, you know, for a, for a long time for my young life. And I loved it. I was actually a supervisor eventually in that company. And what we did, so say your grandpa is at home on hospice. He dies at home, very nice, peaceful death, but he's at home. Someone has to get him to the funeral home. And that someone was me. So what body removal services do is they are hired, they are contracted by funeral homes. And so if the funeral director is busy or they're with another family currently attending another funeral, they will call the body removal service team and hire them, trust them to go pick up uh, the deceased and bring them back to the funeral home. There was actually also a very short and brief period of my life where I worked at a cemetery as a family services counselor, um, also a pre-need salesperson, but that wasn't what they called me. It had a better fancy name that I can't even remember. And I think I was doing like double jobs. I was working at the body removal company and working for the cemetery at the same time, but I quickly realized that I am not the cemetery sales sort of person, mm -hmm. so that was a... A short-lived experience, but an experience nonetheless. The company I worked for also worked for the medical examiner. And so what we did in that capacity is that we would go to any sort of medical examiner scene. So this would include uh, if you were not on hospice and you died at home, suddenly, unexpectedly, any sort of car crash, accident, homicides even we used to go to, um, suicides, of course. And so what we would do is we would pick up the bodies for the medical examiner and uh, his or her team and bring them back to the medical examiner's office. So the actual people on scene representing the medical examiner were these people called death investigators. And we're going to learn a lot about death investigators in the upcoming episodes. But basically, as I said, they're representatives of the medical examiner. So these death investigators were, you know, former cops, nurses, um, people that had degrees in forensic science, really anyone with any sort of experience in investigations or dealing with dead bodies. And I was extremely curious about their job. I immediately thought that or wondered if this was something that I could do or that I could get into with my background. And so I ended up befriending these people. I was working so much back in those days. I think I was working in like 24 seven at some point, you know, like my phone is always on, always by my head. And I loved it. You know, of course I was tired sometimes, but I would always, you know, jump in the car and just go, go, go. Um, especially to the medical examiner scenes. I just loved being there and talking to the death investigators and learning pretty much anything that I could about their job and what they do. Some of them would even, you know, let me help, like hold a piece of paper, like something small like that, but it meant the world to me. And, you know, eventually they started saying things like, hey, you know, like we think that you would be good at this and we think that you can do this and, you know, we want to work with you, which is just such an amazing honor, like so, so humbled by those words. 
but they did end up talking to their supervisor, sort of recommending me for the job. So the next time a position opened up, uh, I applied. And with my, you know, background in education and, you know, experience with the medical examiner's office while I was working for this body removal company, I got the job. And honestly, it has been a dream job for me. I have been working there for two years now at the medical examiner's office. I am a medical legal death investigator. I also do autopsies. I'm an autopsy assistant. And uh, recently, I decided to take my education again, a step further, and I applied to graduate school to be a pathologist assistant, which is basically a physician's assistant, but more focused on pathology. We'll talk about those guys too. But yeah, so that's, you know, that's me. That's where I am, graduate student slash autopsy attendant. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing about having uh, both of us uh, in this podcast is that we represent all the sides of the death industry. So especially you so much more than me having all of those uh, different facets to your diamond, um, which I think is is really going to to lend us to be able to answer questions even better uh, than than we could any other way. Yeah. And you know, obviously, Red has way more funeral directing experience than I ever will. And that's going to be an asset as well. And I'm glad I did not go into that specific part of the industry so that Red can talk about it more than me. <laughs> So one last story for us to end on is actually how we met. Um, I, I think that's a really fun, fun night of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go ahead and tell your side first? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, I remember a mutual friend of ours, we were out at a club actually, um, and he was like, oh my gosh, you have to meet my friend, Jem. Uh, Jem's into all that weird death stuff like you. And I was like, okay, cool. And I think we were both in costume that night. I, I believe. Yeah, um, I think it was like Halloween or something. Yeah, so we were both just giant nerds that night. And uh, <laughs> I I took some photos of you because I thought your costume was really cool. <laughs> and then we kind of just, yeah, we uh, we just exchanged phone numbers. And that was kind of it for my, it was, good, you know, history ever since then for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember our mutual friend, like you said, he was like, hey, uh, you're a funeral director. I know a funeral director. And I was like, what? That, no, that literally never happens. You're lying. You're a liar. <laughs> it never happens. <laughs> right. It never does. So I was like, I am, I have to know this person right now. So yeah, we met at this club and I think he forced me to text you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really cool. Um, but believe it or not, we've actually been friends for about four years now. Oh my gosh. Has it really been that long? Yes, like, it has. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we've been running together pretty much ever since. Not necessarily, you know, in the professional field, but, you know, outside the professional field. We have to have lives outside of what we do every day. <laughs> Otherwise, we go crazy. Yeah. And for that reason, we've actually never really talked to each other about our careers. We've always, you know, had fun friend time whenever we're hanging out together. So we're learning along with you guys. Yeah, actually, that's what I was most excited about this podcast, especially, you know, just not disseminating information and, you know, letting people know what we know, but learning from each other, because this is just a big collaboration from the both of us that, you know, we just never talked about before. We really never had a reason to. So uh, this is, it's very exciting from, from both ends. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for coming along for the ride. And that's all for this week. This has been our first official episode of our brand new podcast, Mort Mike. Yeah, and thank you so much for listening and being patient with us as we figured out what's going to work best for us for our brand new podcast, Mort Mike. This podcast has been such a labor of love for us, and we are very excited to finally be able to bring it to you guys. We've both never done podcasting before, and there's been a lot of ups and downs learning how to record, edit, produce, and host. 
We considered our options on whether or not to publish our first few test recordings, but we really just loved the content so much and we loved talking to each other and sharing and we definitely just wanted to share with you guys regardless of our technological learning curve. So thank you so, so much for sticking with us and we promise that we'll have things all nice and settled and figured out for the upcoming episodes. We'd also love to interact with you guys on our socials. Like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at Mike Podcast. That's M-O-R-T-M-I-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. It would mean a lot to hear your feedback, so please tell us what you think in a comment or drop us a rating on whatever podcast hosting site you use. If you have any suggestions on topics you might want to hear about or some burning questions you might have, please shoot us an email at mortmikepodcast at gmail.com. You can expect a new Mort Mike podcast every other Thursday. And definitely, if you have a comment or question, or if you just want to say hi, shoot us an email at mortmikepodcast, that's M-O-R-T-M-I-C podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook under Mort Mike Podcast. All of those will be easy to find, and you'll even maybe see the occasional funny death meme. I also want to give a huge thank you to our friend Marson for the use of his song titled Deputies of Death, which he produced just for our show. We are so excited to be using it for our podcast, and you can check out some more of his music at his bandcamp. That's Marson, M-A-R-S-O-N, music.bandcamp.com. Thanks, Marson. Yeah, thanks, Marson. Be sure to tune in every other week for more casual discussions on death. That's been Mark Mike for this week. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. <laughs>